to episode two of Hoops Forum, presented by Radius Athletics and a quick timeout podcast. I'm Tony Miller, and again this week, I'm joined by co-host Randy Sherman. Randy, why don't you kind of go ahead and introduce today's topic and uh, get things going for us? I uh, will do that. Um, today, we uh, we got a good topic. I hope, I hope it's something coaches can benefit from. I would say, let me begin by just sort of reading some complaints that I sometimes get from coaches. They go something like this. Uh, we just don't compete very hard or we, we play like we're scared or something or our guys or our girls just don't want it. These complaints pertain directly to what we're going to talk about today, and that's fostering competition. I want to begin with a question to, to get us started. Oftentimes I hear coaches say that competitiveness is something a player is born with. Just, just this, this innate competitive drive that's like in him or in her, and they're, the belief is they're born with it. Do you, do you believe that to be true? And in what relationship is nature versus nurture when it comes to competitive drive? Have you taken the DISC assessment before? I know we were talking about it beforehand, but have you taken it? No, I don't think I have. I've taken some different personality assessments and things like that, but, but that one's not ringing a bell. So we do this every year with our basketball team. Um, it's something that our athletic director actually does with sports teams. Um, he does a lot of it here around the country, and he's even actually starting to do some things overseas. Those of you that listen to a Quick Timeout podcast, he was on the show about probably about three or four months ago and talked a little bit about it. Uh, it's a personality test. You basically fill out a bunch of assessment questions, turn that in, they run it through. Most programs don't have the finances to be able to do that, but there's uh, some free versions of it mm -hmm. online if you just go into Google and search in DISC assessment. And each of those letters stands for something. I won't get into all of them. The D is, is dominant. If you go and look up dominant and the DISC assessment specifically and look up kind of a description of what each of those are, mm -hmm. one of the first words, if not the first word that you'll see in connection with that, that letter is they are a high-level competitive nature. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I, I think personally, you know, there, there are innate features that are given to you. You instinctively are competitive. Uh, if you don't think this, just have kids. You see that very early on. And, you know, you can argue the fact that, that well, it's something that they, they are taught over time or they pick it up because you're competitive. And I think that's true as well. I don't, I don't feel that they're, you know, they, they oppose each other as far as thoughts. But they do work together. You do have some, and you also can can foster that as well. What are your thoughts in connection with that? Do they go kind of similar to what I'm talking about, or do you do you disagree with that? I would say that that maybe through a combination of like nature and nurture in in our environment, and there, there may be a certain base level of competitiveness that that some of us just have in our personality, where I think coaches maybe could expand their thinking would be, okay, if someone is say like a, you know, if we use a one through 10 scale, like someone's a five on the competitiveness, they're kind of right there in the middle. I think where, what we shouldn't do is accept that that's, that's their ceiling and their floor, that they're, that they can't get more competitiveness into their, their persona. So just like any other trait, just if, if I had a guy that was shooting 33%, I would want him from three, I'd want him to get to 34. I'd want him to get to 35, right? So we're, where we go wrong is just to say like this, this mindset that like, I just don't have any dogs or fighters or whatever, you know, I, I think that's where we maybe ought to expand our thinking a little bit. Okay. So if it is something that can be nurtured, 
uh, it will be easier with some than others because of the what's already in them. But for the ones that it's not, like how can we help them achieve that as well? Uh, as coaches, I, I think this is something that I forgot early on or didn't quite understand early on because I'm very competitive. I just didn't understand why they didn't get it. Even thinking about um, the nurturing of what we accept society-wise, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. We blame AAU. We blame video games. We yeah. blame a lot of these other things. How much of that blame is legitimate? And then do you have any ideas of how we can combat that? I don't know how much of it's legitimate or not. That that's that's a that's a bigger question than I'm equipped to answer. I would say I would say that it's non-pertinent information though, because I'm in charge of this program. These practice minutes are my practice minutes. These so if I don't like my players' competitive level, what good does it do to blame anything other mm-hmm. than than my interaction with them? There are steps that we can take. They're mm-hmm. not oftentimes easy or immediate, but but there are. Uh, before we get any further, let me kind of take a quick time out here to talk to you about our partners over at 323 Sports. I've been working with these guys for the past six years now, and as, as far as team dealers go, they're the they're the best. Their slogans do it right, and I can attest firsthand to that they'll do it right for you and for your program, whether that's gear, equipment, uniforms, they'll do it all for you. So give them a look. It's 323sports.com or you can email them directly, sales at 323sports.com. Let me go ahead and, and show them the poll that we okay. put out this week. This is something that if you're new to the show, we do this every week on Twitter. And question this week, how would you rate the competitiveness of the players on your team? I think this goes to the point that we were talking about earlier. Uh, we as coaches have these high standards. Only 14% would say great. The rest of us, there's room for improvement there. Is this accurate? Is there... Is there actually a lack of competitiveness uh, or are we looking maybe at something different there? I, I think our poll is a proxy. It's a good question. And I, I would say the coaches probably answered true to how they feel about their players. And, mm-hmm. and but if you if you could, you know, flip it up, it's bell curve shaped, right? You could change the, the question on top and ask, how's your season going? Poor, good, average, great. It would look just like mm-hmm. this. So I think this is just a proxy. The coaches who aren't having a good season are obviously well, my guys' competitive level sucks. Or the guys that are winning, sitting there fifteen and zero right now, like they're our guys are great competitors. And then most people right in the middle. So I don't know that I ever had players who were just out on the court, like walking around, just letting their guy drive right by them. Who just you know a ball bounced off the rim and they stood there. And players play hard on game night. They, they do. They, they, they sweat their, their uniforms are sweaty. They got bumps and bruises and they're exhausted after the game. Like it's not for lack of effort. No. I think, I think there's oftentimes a other problems. I often think we have other problems that just show up on game night looking like we're not competing very hard. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you ask the player, like I'm trying my best coach, like I'm, I'm I, I promise you, like, I'm not, I'm not dogging it. I, I've, I, I just don't see this as, as, and, 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 you know, it, it came in last on my poll that I asked back in May, 18%. Saying, we don't have a competitive, our guys will get after it. So I don't know that it's, it's, it's a huge problem. And, and I kept throwing in the phrase game night, because to me, that's where, when we talk about someone that's a real competitor versus a sometimes the competitor is the difference between game night and the other days of the week. Mm-hmm. To me, a, a true competitor is competitive in practice, 
They're competitive in their preparation. You know, they, they're competitive in the weight room. They're competitive in their, in their preparation and practice on the court and the drills. Everyone shows up on game night ready to go, right? They're ready to shine. Mm-hmm. That's only part of it. That's the easy part of it. A, a competitor, you know, has perseverance. They compete even when things go against them, a bad referee call or, mm-hmm. or a coach correcting them in practice and making them run a line for missing something in practice or something, you know. You know, they have consistent discipline as it pertains to their effort. One thing that may be innate when where we do tend to call people like natural born competitors is their fearlessness is that sometimes people that are competitiveness are fearless. They're willing to fail. They're willing to give their best effort, even, even if, if man, I, I may, this may not work, we may still lose, but I'm still going to give my best effort. Or I may not get the starting position. I may only be the sixth or seventh or eighth man, but I'm still going to give my best effort trying. That's a competitor. Mm-hmm. So, so when you play hard, your teams play hard. I, I, yeah. I watch a ton of film, a lot of, a lot of video across the board, big school, little school, college, girls, boys, men, women on on the game film. Kids are trying. I think this is one of those words as well. Like we throw around like culture. What does that actually mean to you? My response to whatever is written on that, those responses. My my question is, are you drilling those things? Because, again, if this is a if it if it's just like skill, if it's something that can be taught. OK, so what are we actually teaching here? So we've been talking about what it is. It can be something that's changed. There are tangible aspects of it. OK, so coach, help me here. How, mm-hmm. how do we improve in these areas? One of the things even talking about going hard, I'll give you an example of this. I have plenty of kids who come to college and I will put them through. It's very simple because they're by themselves. And I'll just say, OK, all right, let's go like two ball dribbling. Let me see what going hard looks like for you. I want to see if they can control the ball, if they can have the coordination to dribble two balls at the same time, you know, up and down the floor, change of direction, that kind of thing. What I typically see is when they start out doing that, especially when they're by themselves, when they start dribbling that basketball, they're going about two thirds speed, but they think that they're going hard. So in that case, it is I'm going fast. Okay, Mm -hmm. they think that they're going fast. And by the way, thinking that they're going fast, we often communicate that as going hard. Mm-hmm. And so what we end up with is just a bunch of people, the old John Wooden, there's a yeah. lot of activity, but not much achievement going out there on the floor. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you talking to me about diving on the, on the floor for, for loose balls? Are you talking to me about being mentally engaged when the game starts? Like there are just so many, I think, again, just so many vague when we're talking about competitiveness that your players don't even know what you're talking about. I want to ask you a question because it's something you and I talked about earlier in the week. The idea of like my team has slow starts. We come out of the gate and by the time we look up after the first TV timeout or at the end of the first quarter, we're down, you know, 18 to 18 to five. And and then, you know, kind of we competed the rest of the game. But and, and I do hear coaches attribute that to like we're not tough. We're not ready to play. We're mm-hmm. scared. What are your thoughts on on making the connection between this idea of competitiveness? competitive drive and slow starts on game night. I was actually just asked this by a coach this week, and my response to him was something that we've tried to improve upon in our program, and it has seemed to help. It is not the immediate easy fix, but it is something that I do believe can impact and help your team become more competitive. I simply ask him, how competitive are you in your practices? And so something that I suggested to him, he said, we get off to slow starts when the game starts. And my question to him was, how competitive are your practices when you get in the gym right away? 
I know a lot of coaches and a lot of programs, and we've done this at times, the guys get done with their stretching and then the coach brings everybody together and we talk for three minutes about the kinds of things that we're going to be practicing that day. Mm -hmm. And then we ease into practice. So this year we completely did away with the stuff at the beginning. Mm -hmm. We told them, you get there early to practice. You do your routine, whatever. We will do a quick dynamic warm-up when you get in the gym. But as soon as that warm-up is over, it's on to a four-on-three drill, a small-sided game of some sort. Like, we are competing right from the very start. Yeah. And I think so much of this is connected to the mental side of it. And it is a it is a mindset. Like, when I come in here, are we competing? And are we competing? That I think the, the question and the – it's a bigger picture. Like is competitiveness something that you emphasize throughout practice? Is it something that you do from the start? Is it a mindset that your team has? You say, well, we're not focused. Well, are you, are you requiring them to be focused in practice or are they just mindlessly going through drills that maybe they're improving skills, but there's no decision making. Mm -hmm. There's no, I'm going against this other guy and we want to win and we want to compete. There are no consequences to losing. They're not feeling it anywhere and they're not thinking about it. So why do you think that your games are any different? It's like putting together, I don't, I don't bake, but my, my, I watch a lot of baking shows because I'm married. So, you know, we watch cooking shows and I put together all the batter for the, my cake and I put it in there. And when the oven opens, I see a cheesecake. Yeah. No, you don't see a cheesecake. You see whatever you just baked and put into the oven, right? When you, when yeah. it was put under pressure and under heat, it turns into what it is. Why do you expect that you, you've put together all the ingredients through the week and then you put it in the oven and it gets under pressure and it turns out to be something that you haven't been the whole week? That's a, that's a good analogy. When I reflect on, on, on my time as an athlete, which was short, I was, you know, high school, a little bit of college, but I think about the different teams I was on. And I think about them through this lens of this word competition and what were the most competitive environments and the least competitive environments. And here, here's one common trait that I would say that made for terrible competitiveness, terrible competitive problems was if the starters feel like they're and the backups feel like their job can't change, mm -hmm. you're going to have a terrible competitive environment. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I would encourage, and it's a connection that I've had coaches sort of like, what? Like, you know, is if you want to have better competition, more competitors, more, you know, guys who are willing to get on the floor, get after it, whatever word you want to use for all of that, develop, develop your, your second string. A guy I like to read a lot of his work named Dr. Fergus Conley. I've read a lot of his books. He even theorizes in one of his books called 59 Lessons. One of his lessons is your second string is more imp important than your first. Hmm. Like nine out of 10 coaches don't see yeah. that. They don't see that. The best thing you can do for your competitive environment is to be able to remove a player, put someone else in and win anyway. Instant fix, but take some effort and intentionality to get there. I have talked to coaches, Tony, who have told me like they avoid competition and competitiveness and practice because, yeah, you know, we go good on good. Like, man, things get a little rough and edgy. And like, you know, so we just beat up on our second team or our JV all the time. I'm like, man, that that's a recipe for disaster. I, I, I make the light switch analogy of like when you walk into a dark room and you're finding the light switch on the wall, like you can't wait till game night to flip, find that light switch. Yeah. So. I talk to coaches who genuinely like, oh, man, I, I don't like to have we don't go good on good. We you know, we just get our oh, first team, get second team and 
yeah, you're, these guys feel like they can't lose their spot. These guys feel like they can't win more playing time. And then you're going to find yourself saying all the time, come on, guys, give me a little effort. Come on, guys, come on, give me a good look. Come on, you know, like that's when you find yourself saying those type of things, like, come on, guys, a little energy, a little pep in your step. Let's go. That's fake manufactured competitiveness. And that ain't it. You're you coach at the collegiate level. So you do to a certain degree, you get to select the players that come into your program. You, you invite them. When you are evaluating players through watching AAU game films, they send you things like that. Where does their compete level kind of enter into your evaluation of that player and whether you decide to bring them into a program or not? This has changed, honestly, within the last three years because of the work that we've done with the DISC assessment. Let me give you an example from last year. When we took the test last year, we had a, a lot of players that were in that S and C category. Those are great people to have, but when you don't have a lot of D people, you lack the dominance and the leadership and the, I'm just, it's the guys who just take over. You know, it's the guys who just step forward and lead. You could probably immediately think of a lot of guys, MBA, who could, who would fit in that. But when you don't have that, then that competitiveness, it's lacking in the guys. Again, they work hard. They get along with each other really well, but there is not a competitive edge to it. And so I think the key that we've really tried to to look at here is the right balance of the D's, the I's, the S's and, and the C's so that we have a team that's working together and you're not necessarily deficient in one of those areas. So, yes, I mean, it has become a big part of what we do. As I sit there and recruit a kid, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about their personality, not just their skills and how yeah. their skills yeah. fit into into what we're doing as we would think of basketball skills. It can be difficult, though. And this comes those of you that are high school coaches. I would encourage your your players to really get to know the coaches that they're interested in playing for, Mm -hmm. because I honestly believe that a lot of the problems that we're having where people are done with that school after their first semester or their first year is because of that word that you and I have used a lot. But it's the fit in the program. Like, how does this kid fit within the program and that what that means is how do they fit yes in the school but how do they fit with the personality of the coach how do they fit with the other players who are yeah. on the team and for long long-term success and, and lasting and within the our topic today the competitive nature of the program you got to have a mix of those players and so yeah i mean it has become a, a big part of what we do i would say too that don't let your eyes fool you maybe when you're evaluating players but like i sometimes you'll see like say you're watching a football game or a, a basketball game and and you know a guy gets subbed out or you know like in football maybe the offense left the field they punted the ball away and and you know you get the guy who's on the sideline and he's mad you get you know <laughs> i'm a cowboys fan des bryant was known for he'd be on the sideline just ranting and raving and talk, yelling and and you hear the commentator say something to the effect of well you know he's just a competitor and <laughs> i mean he's mad he's mad and it looks yeah. intense and he's if he's a competitor why, why am i reading reports that he was late for practice on monday why am i reading reports about he showed up overweight out of shape not talking about des Bryant. i don't know but like other things like no he's just mad today Mm-hmm. he's mad about the game and, and he's not getting the ball or he's not getting enough shots, but like, nah, he's not a competitor because if he was a competitor, th- then, then I wouldn't be reading that other stuff. Yeah. So I, I think if you're just evaluating comp- a player's competitiveness level by watching them play in a game in an AAU game or a high school game, you might get a false positive. Like, man, this guy's really competitive. I and mean, you talk to their coach and go, yeah, he, yeah, he, he's got a temper is what he is. He's yeah. temperamental is what he is. 
if you're not competitive, competitive in your preparation, your ability to kind of take the next play mentality, you, you're just kind of a fake competitor. One or two or three, I'll just give one. Practical ways to improve competitiveness for your team. Okay. And mine is just simply is to compete. I mean, compete more in your practices. That has been revolutionary for our program. The amount of small-sided games and playing five-on-five with restrictions. It's not just playing for five minutes Mm -hmm. straight and then at the end giving a few comments, but whether that's three possessions and then bring them together or a time and score type game that you have, but like foster competition by competing. It sounds simple, but I I think that probably if coaches evaluated what they're doing in practice, are you actually competing in practice? I would echo that. Um, I would say, you know, track, chart, and reward all that. That's great. If if it's just – Hey, you guys won and, 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 you know, you don't have to run the suicide. You can go on and get a drink and you other guys got to, you know, run it down and back for losing. And, and it doesn't actually like how has winning in the drill, does that impact my playing time? If it doesn't cool. I mean, I mean, maybe it made for a good spirited competition in practice, but that's going to tail off. I would say another tactic I used when I coach was what, what I call S curving. And by that, I mean, like, if you've ever done like a fantasy football draft or something, how, you know, like you've got a group of guys and you got the first pick, you got the second pick, you got the third pick. Then mm-hmm. I, then if you're the fourth guy in the league, you got the fourth and the fifth pick and it kind of makes a snake. Right. Mm-hmm. So what I did with my roster, whenever we played three on three, I did not let the girls pick their teams. When we played four on four, it wasn't like, OK, just getting groups of four. I, I was intentional about I took our top four players, split them up our next and made four. Oh, like say I got 12 guys or 12 girls. Mm-hmm. I made four, you know, if we're doing four on four, I made three equal teams of four as best as I could as a coach. So every, every quartet of players has an A player, a B player, a C player, and a D player. So where mm-hmm. in theory, as long as I do a good job making the teams, we have, we're going to have a three on th- or a four on four on four session where we've got three teams who really none's going to just run away yeah. from the other. And now let's see who wins. Now let's see who wins. And I, I get pushed back from that when coaches like, I want my starters to play together. And I'm like, I want 12 starters because I want that competition level to where, all right, well, you got two fouls in the first half. That was stupid because I'm going to put her in. We're going to win anyway. So that's where we got to get to. So that S curving of your groups, put make a little bit more intentionality. Like, okay, guys, we're going to play three on three cutthroat. Make, create your teams. What what are the three most competitive, talented dudes? I'm going to come here, come here. Come on, they're going to get, you know. Now let's, let's split them up. And then track your wins. When we've yeah. got four equal teams of three, three equal teams of four, who won? Who actually, when it comes down to like, okay, it's 11 to 11 to 10, last trip through three-on-three ping pong here, Who who's going to win? That's when you get the cream rising to the top. I don't evaluate coaches by the ceiling of their roster because a lot of that, like they got two or three great players who, you know, they're six, nine. Okay, cool. Like, or they're super talented or their dad was in the NBA or something like the ceiling of your roster. Ain't you coach. The, the, yeah. the floor is you show yeah. me your 10th player. Can they dribble? Can they pass? Can they shoot? Can they kind of be an adequate contributor? That that's you. We've been doing that for the last two years and it's, it's completely changed the way that our, our program is and the kind of players that, they're becoming and we're only two years into it. We've got a ton of freshmen and sophomores. So the wins aren't there yet, but I'm really excited about junior and senior year because yeah. I think that it, it will, it's going to pay off. I'm, I'm yeah. quite confident it's going to pay off. End of episode two. Appreciate those who tuned in and participated. 
For Randy Sherman, I'm Tony Miller. Appreciate you all tuning in. We'll talk to you again next week.